it's the story of this transfer window, I suppose, as is the mid-range clubs that have shown incredible ambition to bring in um, very exciting young talents or some of the best young talent in Europe or the global superstars. <laughs> Keep it going. I'm Up never, never let it stop. Is, it, is, it, is that your message alert? <laughs> That's everything in my life now. Um, more important than the sound Up of my children's voices is that, is that <laughs> two seconds of audio. <laughs> I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello comrades and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. Paddy McKenna here, Ruben Pender here and Naz Chowdhury here. And I have to say this is a momentous day. We're going to talk about football obviously in a moment. But first of all, Naz, I'm loving what you've done with your hair mate. And I can say that because for the first time ever, and we don't know if this will ever see the light of day, but right now, Naz, Ruben and I can actually see each other thanks to the, the wonders of modern technology. It's amazing. And yeah, yeah, I've decided to go proper sort of because the thing is, if you're not, if you can't go to hairdressers, this is the only way to go. To be honest, I mean, I don't like out of the three of us. I think Ruben's probably the one who has to. There's, there's, there's the most that needs to be done to that. Mm, yeah, so yeah. So I'm, I'm just intrigued, sort of, what, what road you're going down, Ruben? Um, I had my first haircut in a barber's um, about a week ago, um, and had to get rid of the awful blonde dye that I've been living with for a few months. Um, so. It was first since lockdown, Ruben. First, yeah. not your first ever trip. To no, no, Ruben, since so. lockdown, yeah. Um, <laughs> With mum, <like>, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so first time been back to the bar was in in, in several months, and uh, you know the one thing I didn't miss about getting a haircut professionally was um, the terrible football chat that you have to endure with the barbers to make small talk. When when a when a barber asks you what you do for a living. What do you say? Because I, well, ne- I never say what I do because it, it causes conversation. I don't want that. See, I've learned this. My friend who um, did like film and English at uni just says, oh, I'm a plumber because then you because then there's no conversation to be had and you just get a haircut in, in silence. So I might start <laughs> saying I'm a plumber, although I don't think it's very believable. What if the hairdresser has like or a barber has a leak and the next thing they're asking for like <laughs> looking oh, to get you number, into mate. a yeah. job? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm booked up for the next uh, six months. <laughs> In, incidentally, t- talking about Ruben's blonde hair, do you think that certain football? Because I've got a theory that certain footballers um, develop certain looks and certain haircuts to get noticed. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think there is a big. I think there's a big handsome bias when it comes to footballers and how we rate them. I think. Um, no offense to him, Angel Di Maria probably a bit underrated because he's not as groomed as you know your Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo's, etc. Um, so yeah, maybe. I mean, Grealish. God, I hope but... it's not true for Hamas Rodriguez because he's so bloody handsome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Works the other way. <laughs> Loftus Cheek, another player who gets a lot of hype for not yeah. a lot of uh, achievement. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, Grealish put a lot of blonde in his hair a few months ago, didn't he? I've heard that there's um, like advice that scouts will give to footballers, or sorry, would say coaches will give to young footballers is to get noticed in like a game when there could be like a scout could be watching like, you know, two or 300 kids in a day is to do something mad with your hair. 
because then you then you will be remembered. Even like you'll stand out straight off the bat. So if you do anything good, the scout's going to remember the kid with the you know purple hair or red hair. Or... The best thing to do in that case would be. Do you remember when Sven was England manager? There was a kid who got the Sven haircut, so he just got like all the top shaved off and had the back and the sides <laughs> remain. That will make you stand out at a trial. <laughs> Def- definitely will. <laughs> Tonsure, I think that's called the monk. You know, when you shave just the top and you leave the sides. It's got his own name, but okay. <laughs> Um, okay, right. Well, look at it. Uh, as I say, a momentous day. Um, Ruben and Nas are are standing by. Ruben's wearing his England jersey. You feeling particularly proud after England's <laughs> incredible nil-nil draw with Denmark? Not really. It was. Um, it felt like watching England ten years ago. You know when, or like even more recently than that. Just the sort of the the blandness, the the stodgy formation. Like I, I did a, a tweet the other day about shirt numbers and how when a winger wears nine because a striker wants to wear 10, it like bugs me. And like yesterday, looking at the lineup, when Declan Rice is wearing number eight, you know that you've gone a bit too defensive, I think. You've got three centre-backs, then you've got another kind of centre-back in midfield, and you've got a holding midfielder next to him. And then you've got no no left-footed centre-back on the pitch, no left-footed wing-back. The whole team is right-footed, and there's only three naturally attacking players on the pitch. Against Denmark, like I know they're pretty good, but there was definitely room for a more attacking lineup there. Like Grealish, when he came on, he was really good. You know, created a couple of chances more than Rice, Phillips, and Kane managed before he came on. And like, I just don't know why he wouldn't have started in a four-three-three. It could have been perfectly balanced, and it wouldn't have been like gung ho to play another creator instead of like seven defensive players. But Southgate is capable of putting out those very conservative, stodgy teams, um, just like any uh, plenty of other England managers have been. But uh, it's a point, isn't it? So, like, yeah, both games recently haven't been very impressive, but I guess you take the points and, and you move on. Very much the kind of theme or the general sort of feel with international football at this time of the year, which essentially is still... It's like, God, it's like playing fo- like international games in pre-season, like playing international games in July, really, at any other time of the year. So it's very strange and definitely like watching Ireland as well. Ireland know Denmark far too well. We've played them way too many times in the last few years. And I kind of felt watching England, Denmark last night, Ireland do to Denmark what Denmark have done to England because Denmark are a better team than Ireland. They have better players. And then Ireland just go out, have done, have gone out and just try to stop them playing. And Denmark and Ireland are good enough to do that. And Denmark are good enough to stop England being fluent. And I think that was what you saw a lot of last night. They were not a team that you're going to swat out of the way, even though you've got much better footballers. Um, what did you think, Nas, overall? I mean, obviously, a lot of the chat was about the debutants. I saw, like, I think it's the most debutants to play in one game since, like, 1950s or something like that. And um, a lot of the focus would have been on, I suppose, the Yorkshire Perlow to begin with. But by the end, everybody's talking about uh, the Brummy uh, <laughs> Raquel May. I don't know. What is he? He's the, he's the Brummy version. Rui, Rui Costa. Costa. That'll do. Uh, um, how, how did Greenwich do? He did well. But again, um, I think this is the first match in which like Southgate's got some proper and due sort of uh, criticism. Because 
I mean, it made no sense. Like, like any, like no one was surprised at how things went. No one was surprised at how stodgy and uh, and uh, just just predictable the play was. And and I actually think it's massively unfair. Like, I always think, do you know, like when it's when Arsenal or or United or anyone has got a a league cup game against lower opposition, and they always bring um, a group of reserves, stroke young players in to play together. I always think that's really unfair on those players trying to make their mark because they are playing with other players who are trying to prove themselves, other players who aren't sort of settled. And the whole team seems bad as a result and no one can really shine. And it's similar to that with this England team in in that like loads of people were excited to see uh, Phillips. Leeds fans will be really excited to see see Phillips play. And and, and Rice as well. Like, Like there's been so much talk about up to 80 million being spent by Chelsea on it. So you kind of think like, let's have a proper look at how good these players are on the international stage. But if you play them together, it's really unfair on all of them. Like how, how can, how can they possibly shine? Like Phillips is a player who can, who can sit, who can, who can do that box to box, but has, can play football. Like, like he, he can be progressive, but if he's sat in that midfield and, and he's got players around him, like Dyer, like, like Rice, um, it's what is he meant to do? Like, like he's he's not this. He's not a playmaker. He's got other people in the team that are essentially doing the same job, and 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 and, it, and it's not as if because the thing is, in terms of doing it against Denmark, one argument is you don't need to do it against Denmark because because they're not going to pose that much of a threat. But the other flip side of that is Denmark aren't going to be the most progressive team in the game, so it, it means that that there's no chance to sort of do, do counterattacks. No, no chance for players to shine in that respect. And I think it's interesting with Southgate in terms of he was in the domestic game. He did okay, but it was with lower lower level teams, with all due respect. And now with England, I suppose it's, I suppose the situation's changed. Before he was, he had an England team who were, had had two or three really exciting talents, but were weren't that highly rated and were sort of um playing above their level. But now it's almost as if this England team is a a top ten Premier League team or a top six Premier League team where they have actually got now loads of talented players and he's got to get the best out of them. And and if he can't, that kind of suggests that maybe he's better with a a team that's punching up rather than a team that's that that should be doing far better because like like even like you you look at that those those attackers as well like Sancho Sancho's been blowing up and like doing amazing stuff in the Bundesliga one of the most talented young players around and and he's done he's done very little in two game, in two games and I, I understand there's mitigating circumstances in terms of pre-season but really um if you can't get the best out of all these talented players it it kind of Point. It's a bit of a concern in terms of like how will that reflect sort of going forward and like in the auras and stuff. I think you make some very valid points. Um, the whole team selection basically wasn't fair on anyone. I think Cody is the only player that it really suited. Um, and yeah, like Phillips, I thought not a reflection on him. He plays in a very different system at club level, and you know it's basically preseason. So, but it was so unfair on him to play. Him next to Rice in that system because he he looked out of his depth. Um, but I feel like he 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 could grow into a player that can play for England and probably will. 
but like that just wasn't the game to give him his debut like at all um what go on what about the idea just Ruben on that in terms of him not looking great Sancho I've seen a lot some United fans obviously they're 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 you know exhaustive scouting but having watched 60 minutes of him against Denmark for England nah mate not worth 120 million what what are we after this guy for and I get it because they're not watching the Bundesliga this is their only chance to see Jaden Sancho beyond a YouTube highlights reel and then they've made their minds up after 60 minutes but it's almost like at international level more and more so every coach has got such a definitive way I think strategies and formations Tactics are playing such a huge role for, say, like Calvin Phillips with Bielsa. Um, Jaden Sancho, obviously, like he's playing to such a defined system at Dortmund. And then he comes into England and it's like the old days where everybody's playing 4-4-2. I know that's a bit simplistic, but you know what I mean? There were less variations. Like coming into international level maybe wasn't such a leap. But now you're seeing guys who just, who are good for their clubs, are really good because the formations are so tailored to each individual player. And they come into the international setup, whether it's England or it's Ireland or any like, and they struggle and they they just, they can't find their own rhythm. And I know it's still early in the season, but that's what I really felt over the last few days watching games is that these are good players, really fantastic players. But when they're not in their their comfortable system or the system that they know and has been tailored to them and everybody else in the team, they, they don't look like 120 million euro or pounds, 120 million pound players. Yeah. I mean, the, that's kind of always been the case with international football, hasn't it? And the weird thing is, though, the system that England played yesterday is the system that Dortmund play and Sancho played in the same position. They play a 3-4-3 with wing-backs and then Sancho and um, whoever, Royce, Torgan, Hazard, Brandt, whoever kind of players like narrow wingers. So in on paper, it's the same system. It was just like a much more conservative version of it with players that don't play it and, you know, Trippier at left wing-back. So, like, the the personnel weren't right to create the same kind of free-flowing football. But um, Southgate has often... One one good thing about Southgate is that he won't pick... He won't shoehorn players into a system that doesn't fit them, which is why he hasn't picked Grealish, because he doesn't see him as a midfielder. Um, until yesterday, he brought him on as an attacker. He sees him as kind of competing with Rashford and Sterling in them and that lot. So Southgate often won't pick uh he won't just pick players he'll pick a system and then try and pick the right players to fit into it like in the world cup it kind of worked for everybody because we had we you know we played that back three system and and it it allowed us to play a, a more of a balanced well the midfield wasn't that balanced but then we had a back three behind them and it kind of suited everybody but the the team selection against Denmark was a kind of an exception to that pattern because it didn't seem to suit anyone except for Connor Cody um, but yeah, it was yeah, it's it it wasn't his best game, but I don't think international football always provokes a knee jerk reaction, and I think we should just I don't think we should overreact to these two games because it's basically pre season. Okay, well, fair enough. Pouring cold water over my uh, sort of you know kind of off the top of my head theory there about the evolution of international football. Yeah, That's okay, Ruben. Looking, I can live with that. Looking ca- captain sensible over there. <laughs> well, I just I've 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 had I've like reacted to England like defeats and stuff with such knee jerk opinions in the past, and as everybody does, because you know we see England play slightly boring, and it's like oh, and then you know talk sport, we're just going we need a David Silver type, and you know it's just like 
<laughs> every time we're England underwhelm, it's the same conversation, and I'm just wary of going down the same route. The, 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 the thing I love part. about the thing I love about you, Ruben, is is that for someone so young, you're so cynical and world weary. I don't know if that's <laughs> that's because you're a Palace fan or what, but <laughs> yeah, they've scarred me. <laughs> um. Okay, look, let's move on to the weekend's games. Um, obviously, Premier League is back. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I, I'm I'm ready. I mean, it's been eight days since the Community Shield, so I'm 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 starved of uh, uh, top class uh, English club action. Uh, what are you looking for? We'll get into transfers in a moment, but of the many games this weekend, um, obviously there's a couple of teams that aren't playing. Four of the teams, yeah, United are amongst them, and City they're being given a rest. But which games are you looking forward to seeing? Um, well, I mean, the obvious one is Liverpool Leeds, uh, partly because it's such uh, historically it's such a, a great game between sort of uh, two um, northern big northern clubs. But um, it's also about Bielsa and how he'll fit into how his team will fit into the Premier League. Um, they it looks as if they've they're real they're quite amb- ambitious in terms of what they want to do with the players that they want to sign and have signed. Um, obviously, they've been linked to Draxler as well. Which would be a, an, an amazing coup, um, and yeah, and, and and that game it's more about uh, it's more about Klopp versus Bielsa, just in terms of how they how they sort of uh, set out their teams and stuff like that. I think also like uh, I might be wrong, but there's almost a sense of for defending champions um, with so much talent and such a settled team, there seems to be a strange kind of. Um, uh, despondency or, or or like the the mood around Liverpool fans isn't that cockahoo. It's it, it's so it's it's just it's just interesting um why that is. Maybe it's just the lack of signs or whatever. But it um it's definitely I think that's it. I think it's Thiago. They're not getting they yeah. haven't gotten Thiago and they may not get him now. There's City are in from United apparently in for sorry, United are in for Thiago apparently and, and possibly Barca as well. So if Liverpool don't get Thiago like that is like they, you just said it there. They're the champions. He clearly wants to go. Like it, it's a big question mark as to why, because it, it would appear that like Klopp would would like him there as well. It would be insane to let that opportunity to sign Thiago slip. Um, not to remind Liverpool fans of slipping, but it's like it's just too good an opportunity to to, to, to turn down. But there is this current like obsession with the transfer window of like if you don't sign loads of good players then you haven't had a good window whereas Liverpool still have a really good squad and they should still be very optimistic going into the season but I agree Nos there is this kind of lack of hype around them that's kind of unusual I'm so, I'm slightly so, I mean the flip side of of, of uh, Thiago points to like uh, cash flow concerns about um, why, like how can they possibly not find the money to get him but the flip side of that is like I've been really surprised that they'd. It, it sounds as if they'd be willing to let uh, Brewster go, and when, when you consider that that the, that people say a lot about this Liverpool side in terms of like if any of the um, front three get injured, they're in trouble. Like like Brewster, you would have thought like the hype around him and 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 the what he's shown. Um, why would they possibly want to get rid of him? Especially with the the amount of games that they're going to have to play this season, like. Basically, they're going to play three games a week on average. Well, you know, like weekend, midweek, weekend, all the time this season. They're going to have to rotate the front three at some point. They've been quite lucky in the past couple of years that none of their front three have had a big injury. But like, you, 
yeah, you'd think they want to keep Brewster around, but apparently they they're considering letting him go on a permanent with a with a buyback clause in there. I think Palace are interested, Brighton as well, um, Newcastle. No, not Newcastle. They've just signed Wilson, so probably not them. But yeah, it seems very odd. And I mean, presumably it's just so that they can get, uh, raise the funds to sign Thiago. But it you, you it makes you wonder why they need to do that. And and also the, the, there's there's the fact that Newcastle have signed a player that. That Liverpool wanted, and I, I know Liverpool are kind of um, they they kind of decided up to a point they were gonna they weren't gonna sort of pay anymore, and that's fair enough. That's up to them. They've shown that they've uh, they've played the market very well previously, but like like I find that unusual. That like um, New, Newcastle Newcastle are a massive team and and a great pull in their own way, but um, like I asked, I asked the question the other day on uh, social media: When's the last time that Newcastle have signed a player that the champions of England wanted and couldn't get. So um, I mean th- th- that's that's exciting for Newcastle. But again, it's um, you kind of, you, you kind of wonder like a Liverpool like could they not find the money from somewhere? Even even if it's a, like I know fifty million million pounds seems like a lot, but it doesn't seem even as if they've got like that kind of budget. Yeah, it, like the, the complicated thing now is that Barcelona also want Thiago, but. Kuman wants Wijnaldum and Liverpool getting Thiago hinges on them selling Wijnaldum to Barcelona. So it's it's just like one of those um you know poker games in the transfer window but yeah it is a bit maybe they're just being super careful because of the because of the pandemic and their lost income and they don't want to be they don't want to make any rash decisions when they've got a squad that just won the title. So you know that would be it's unusually unusually sensible for a football club to act like that in the transfer window but you know Maybe maybe that's the reason. It's the story of this transfer window, I suppose, Ads, is the mid-range clubs that have shown incredible ambition to bring in um, very exciting young talents or some of the best young talent in Europe or global superstars. <laughs> Keep it going. Why, I'm never, never let it stop. Is, it, is, it, is that your message alert? That's everything in my life now. Um, more important than the sound of my children's voices is that is that two seconds of audio. Um, you're so, like yeah. you, you're like the proud dad who's who, who's got a VHS of his of his uh, first steps of his kid and records over it with James Rodriguez. <laughs> how do you how do you feel? Oh yeah, amazing! And like, there's it's the kind of amazing that comes with like. Uh, like an incredible signing where nothing everybody wants to knock you like United fans less so but definitely Liverpool fans are very salty about it just because they didn't ex- like I know Hamas is obviously in a stage of his career where he's not probably at his absolute peak but he's still a massive player for everything he's a brilliant player for the Premier League and everybody will want to see what happens when he talks out so but nobody can can touch Everton fans at the minute because we're in that lovely honeymoon period where he's arrived he's doing incredible media like because he's god he's so handsome he is just so handsome and that little clip where i was saying to ruben earlier on it looks like everton may have put like a little twinkle on his tooth at the end but it's imperceptible i mean it's just enough to ask the question have they have they done something with this but he is he is brilliant on camera like now as you were saying earlier on like you forget or you don't realize how big a global superstar he is. And in fairness to Everton, I've done, I think they've done really well in harnessing that. They've had loads of time. 
they've known this guy has been joining now for probably the best part of a week to 10 days. He's been knocking around Liverpool, uh, you know, visiting restaurants, <laughs> hanging out with Ancelotti at the weekend. And to be fair to Everton, they've seen that this is their big opportunity to push the Everton brand on a global stage. And they've gone for it. Like, so you're seeing James Rodriguez on billboards and on the big, um, what you call it, video Times screens Square. in Times Square. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing them in Miami on like on the on the river there with huge, big, you know, um, banners again. And you're seeing his uh, image pop up all across, you know, the world, essentially. Like Everton are going for it and they're going to market Everton through James Rodriguez. And, you know, he is, his Instagram account, 46 million or whatever it is, He's bigger than clubs. Like his brand is bigger than a lot of the biggest clubs in the world. And because he's the one of the biggest, if not the biggest star in Colombian football ever, which are one of the, you know, the great nations of South American football, he just brings so much in terms of his marketability and his commercial, you know, power. So like for Everton, it just it seems like it's a brilliant move. Like I just like I know that like people will say, Oh, listen, he'll it's I'm looking for as someone text. I'm looking for this is amazing for Everton, like the Corey, James and Allen, like in the space of four days. And apparently like Ruben Zaha is is next. No and there, there's rumors. No of, there's rumors of uh, of others to come. And someone just said this is the typical. It's like I'm really looking forward to seeing this all unravel. And like there is that sense with Everton that like as good as this is, God, the, the possibilities that it could go wrong are are huge. Fuck that right now, because like let's just enjoy the fact that Hamez is here. He's doing brilliant media, and like it's just Everton's name has been spoken of across the globe. And that I'm sorry, when has that ever happened before? I don't think it has ever happened before. I know it's, it's an amazing period for Everton. You've just signed three 29 year olds on long term contracts <laughs> on massive wages. It's very exciting for the long term plan, isn't it? That's what I was waiting for. Hamez is a good, is a very good signing, very good player. He's I say 29 on long way. He's 29, so he's not old. Like He's going to be good for at least a few more years. But um, it is like there isn't really a coherent long-term plan, is it? They're just kind of, they're making big money signings and that's exciting. And Alan and Hamas especially will be good in the Premier League. I don't know about Decore, where whether he starts. He's a bit of a one-trick pony in terms of just, he just scores long shots, but, and you've got Sigurdsson for that. But um it's it's good business for now, but I feel like there's potential for it to become a little bit problematic down the line when you suddenly want to sell them <clears> and they have no resale value. Sorry. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. The first thing I'd say is is, is that that that's a very, again, world weary, bitter <laughs> Palace fan because 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 he's he 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 is he is the sort of a supporter of a of a, of a notoriously aging team. Oh, so, yeah, so, 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 so I think there's a level of projecting going on there, but um, I don't know why. Like, there's something about this transfer that captures the imagination in a way that I can't sort of properly uh, explain. Like it, like it, it almost feels. Do you, do you know there was that era where we were shocked that certain players were coming to the Premier League, like right. when Chelsea when Chelsea signed Rude Hullet or yeah. Viale. It was like fucking hell, like. I, I, I just saw them on Italia 90 and they're, they're coming here. Mm. And and for some reason it feels like that. And and again, like we talk about him being sort of ridiculously good looking, but there's something about certain people. And again, it's unquantifiable. They've, they've got this weird charisma or this weird uh, draw to people. Like I, I, I've seen, 
I've seen people interviewing James Rodriguez where they're almost fawning over him. Like, like, like he's he's one of these people that sort of uh, it's almost as if they've got a light bulb inside of them, and uh, and like and like they and like it's the kind of person that if you sold them if you saw them on Bolt, on uh, Bold Street in Liverpool, they're like fucking hell, like a proper celebrity. Um, and obviously, he like, like that, good vibes, doesn't he? It, it it does, and and again, like that's that's all encapsulated in in that. Is it is it like a four second clip? Of like, of like is it, the, the amazing. I, I don't know why that's so hilarious and rewatchable. Yeah. It, it, it's to me, it, it looks as if he's really excited. Have, have you? Do you remember Karate Kid, where like he's he's trying to catch a a fly with chopsticks? Yes. And when he finally does, he's buzzing. It's it almost feels like it, it almost feels like uh, he sat there and and there's like there's like a, a fly in front of him and he's so chuffed to catch it, like. Octodaffies. It's like it's, it's like it's like he can't believe he's finally caught it, but like it's it's amazing. And oh yeah, hook it to my veins. But again, like 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 we laugh, but that's another example of where he is fucking game. Do you know what I mean he's not doing that because somebody sold him? To, well, he's obviously doing it because somebody sold him to. It's a great point. It. Yeah, he's, he's not doing it in a half point, way. He's he, he's totally he's, he's thinking I'm here I'm going for it. What more reasons to be positive? Like first of all, like that is just that clip is magic, and like uh, yeah, the whole up the it sounds a bit like up the Duffies, and lots of people tweeting about Shane Duffy yesterday and uh, <laughs> getting lots of uh, like uh, retweets and attention, which was brilliant. And like what I couldn't believe was he signed yesterday. I know he's been in Liverpool for a couple of days. Next thing, Everton are throwing up pictures of him in training. I was like, because you know when like a big player signs, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks before he's in. Even I was, wasn't sure with coronavirus if he had to quarantine, but I don't think that applies in this case. And you're like, wow, he's straight into training. Like that's how eager this guy is to get going. And of course, he's been kind of kicking his heels for a while, so it makes sense. But again, it just it's a testament to the fact this guy just wants to get involved and wants to play. Um, just, I like Thomas Muller's uh, tweet as well. Again, it just says to me he's a player that other players like, and are, and you, like you said, Nas, he's got a charisma that he just brings people in. Muller, who obviously has uh, incredible comic timing and uh, kind of weird Germanic Germanic likability himself, I suppose. But I just really like the fact that Muller wasn't afraid to just put it out there. His connection with obviously Hamas is through Munich, but. I don't know why, but I just not two players I would have put together. And there he is wishing them real well and like being really warm towards him as well, which I think says a lot about him. Yeah. I I also think like like uh, referring to the uh, um, very valid point that uh, Ruben made about sort of signing plays of, of this age. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I, I, I think it's the first I think you've got to look at it as the first step, because I think Everton, with all due respect, um, for for people of a certain age, Everton does mean a very big club, and does mean that amazing team in the eighties and, uh, and 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 a great history. But for younger people and especially people from abroad, like it's not really got as a brand, if you want to call it that, it's not got that cachet of, of other clubs in England. Whereas I think one big step was getting Ancelotti. And suddenly, people start to take notice of Everton, yeah, yeah. and players who who probably wouldn't be that familiar with them start to take notice about um, them being a possibility to go to. And then I see this as another stage. The next stage is to get a player like James, um, and then and then suddenly, like like it, it can take you onto the next stage. And again, like 
like obviously like like uh, it feels as if this superstar is coming into a team that's not really challenged for the Champions League. But then you've also got Rickardson, who sort of suddenly you've got like two really outstanding yeah, yeah. world talents, <clears throat> and then that can that can it sort of uh, the next stage can be getting those younger players who will be attracted by the players that they've just signed. So I think it I think it's part of a process. He's a, def- di- a dictionary definition of a marquee signing, isn't he? And now that, yeah, as you say, they do have to start making more sensible, cheaper, younger signings. But now it's like kind of just shouting at everybody, like, re- remember us, we're big, look who we've got, come come join us. Yeah, but again, as you say, it doesn't happen without Ancelotti. I mean, it was interesting that Alan had said, like, you know, so much of it was down to, a, as he called him, Professor Ancelotti. Clearly, James is coming for Ancelotti, and Dakore was again just even the way they talk about Everton. Like in in times go, you know when you analyze that first statement from a player, you kind of you're parsing it because you're going, okay, how up for this is he, right? And I find with Everton, like the in the past, there's always been that sort of sense of I'm I'm using this as a stepping stone, and really, like they would say it almost in like pretty much come out and say this is this is the right move for me. I think with Lukaku. He said as much like in his first interview, even though he was excited to be there and it was an exciting signing. And I I know, like any Everton fan will know, Everton are still a stepping stone. But just there was a change, something in Decore, what he said was like, I've been waiting so long for this transfer. Like he was waiting to join Everton, which are obviously a club with money and a project and an exciting project. But again, he's waiting to join with the club that Carlo Ancelotti manages. Something about Everton as well has re-energised reinvigorated and sort of like giving Ancelotti a bit of a boost as well like because for him it was just go from he had been to every big club in the world essentially like where else was there for him to go so then it was like okay which is the most ambitious club that's in the next they're not in the top clubs they have a great tradition they've got money to spend and I can do something with them and I think now we're seeing the real excitement of the Ancelotti project you know coming to fruition Essentially, with the players coming in, obviously it has to mean results on the field. But like that's that's what's happening is the it is the Ancelotti effect, and it's, it's and, the, and, 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 and I wouldn't dis, I wouldn't discount the whole idea of um, because obviously it's massive in Colombia, and Colombia is a massive country with a, with a huge population. But um, don't don't sort of uh, don't forget about the diaspora of like. In America, especially in, in in North America, yeah, yeah, um, that is huge. And and again, this this sounds like. And again, I'm I'm sure Liverpool fans will take the piss out of me for saying this, and it sounds ridiculous to say it. But do you know, like uh, us in this country, um, we've got um, what can be defined as hipster clubs uh, abroad, like Atlanta, like uh, I don't know. Um, Various clubs like like uh, Club Athletic or whatever, and and and, yeah. and 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 yeah, and 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 these clubs that sort of like we're drawn to if we want to be a little bit different or we want to sort of um, show off that we know about football or or we've got this hipster element to our thinking. To people in South America and the US, like if they want to show that they're not a run of the mill, oh, I spot Liverpool, I spot United. I, even like t- teams uh, slightly a notch down, but very big like Spurs. Um, the teams, the teams that would be very hipster to them in terms of the Premier League would be teams like Leeds and Everton and Newcastle. So I think you could very easily get uh, 
a, if if Arsenal, I mean, if 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 Everton play it right, you could have like a generation of of, of uh, fans in 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 the Americas that are drawn to to Everton because, simply because of Ames and 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 what that means. And it's and again, it's it sounds it sounds overblown and ridiculous, but there's loads of there's loads of people in various countries in Africa that have grown up as Chelsea fans mm. because they signed players from 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 those countries so i, I think it, I, I think it's a it's a massive signing for loads of reasons yeah and i think you're i think that brand strategy that you've outlined Naz, which is a beautiful brand strategy i have to say in terms of how everton can be perceived around the world like it is interesting that like the the artwork for hames is, is done by an illustrator i think he's done work with marvel as well it's very fresh, but it's like artwork that you know will translate on a global level. Like, you know, it's not just a picture of Hames. It's this beautiful hero image of Hames looking amazing. And it's it looks great in a billboard and it looks great on a big screen and all that kind of stuff. So clearly they're very conscious of that too. And that this is the opportunity, back to that idea, this is the opportunity for Everton to, like, like let's be honest. And you, we all know this because we've had these conversations like, so much of what Everton have done in the last few seasons has been about, like, has been easy to mock. Really, really easy to mock. And they have to try and, like, climb out of that. And maybe this is, maybe this is the start of that. Because up until Ancelotti arrived, there was just, there was just too much of that that surrounded the club. So, look, we'll see. We we should move on. Um just very quickly, there are we've got to talk some of the other some of the other signings as well. Um, I'm really excited to see Fabio Silva. I have to say, Wolves' new signing, thirty six or thereabouts million pounds to spend on an eighteen year old is an incredible statement. And if it was anybody but uh, you know their manager, I think I'd be going. That's madness. That is probably going to end in tears. And I've seen people say like this is definitely the definition of a, a player that could end in being a flop because he's so young and it's so much money. But um, with uh, Nuno, I fully expect the scouting has been incredible, that he's got every report about this guy's, not just his ability, but his his mental strength, because he's going to need that, 18-year-old moving to Wolves, Wolverhampton. I've never been, but I'm sure it's going to be quite different to what he's he's known. Um, so he's been billed as one of the most exciting nines in Europe. What are your thoughts on 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 their on their business? And generally, there's a few other clubs that have done incredible business. Wolves are they're an agent led club in the transfer market, aren't they? He's a Mendes client, and it's another Mendes signing. But it seems to be working for them on the whole. Um, you know, Neves, uh, Moutinho, um, Jimenez. Obviously, he's Mexican, but like that kind of. Yeah, Jota, Jota's brilliant. So it works for them so far. Um, so if, as you say, if it was anyone else, I'd be very sceptical. Um, and it's important that people don't expect too much of him too soon in spite of the price tag because he's played like three games for the B team at Porto and I don't think he's played a senior game for them. He's only 18 years old. So it's definitely one for the future. I think maybe if they're, they're preparing to have to replace uh, Raul Jimenez in in like a year or two. So um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've never watched him play because he's hardly played a game for Porto. But given their record, you would expect him to be decent in the long term. 
It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's very true that Jorge Mendes um, has got his sticky, sticky little fingers all over this. Uh, but I mean, he's, he's, he's proved it before, like uh, when United signed Bebe, for instance. So like, if he, if he's half the player that uh, Bebe was for United, then, then lead, uh, then let uh, Wolverhampton. Ruben's the cynical one, Nods. Come on. <laughs> exactly. No, no, I think it's interesting, but also like. Uh, there's two things interesting about what Ruben said. The first thing was not hyping him up too much, and the second thing was uh, was, was him having the confidence and the right frame of mind. In terms of the latter point, like it was, it was it, the you could already tell by the publicity photos. He thinks he's it. Uh, yeah, that's right. Like, like he pro- he looks like, he looks like the fucking lead singer of Star Sailor or something. <laughs> Just sort Star of like stood there. He, he looks like he should be on the cover of Q magazine or NME. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but also, also the the point about hyping him up is it was so funny when um, he talked about how Everton announced Hammers, uh and the hype they gave him, like. Ruben is so right in in terms of don't put undue pressure on him. Huge price tag, such a young player coming to a new league. When when Wolves were promoting him signing and the tweet that went out, it started with like a montage of all these made up headlines that said the next Ronaldo, um, the, the new Wonder Kid. Like like it was just flashing up. I was thinking you are doing nothing. To, to, <laughs> if, if if anything, it sort yeah. of it, it, it does it does scream of like. Like honestly, this is legit. He's a really good player, honest. And it's kind of like it was so funny that they that they ramped up the hype before he's even come. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch him play. And 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 again, I've not seen him play, but I wonder whether he's another just by just by the look of him. I wonder whether he's an, another Grealish sort of uh, shirt outside the trou- mm. shirt outside the um, shorts, uh, socks down kind of merchant. He could be another. Helder Postiga, but he could also be another Ronaldo. I mean, like it—it's just—it's very exciting. Um, okay. or, or, or he could be another star sailor. <laughs> or he could be another star sailor. <laughs> uh, he's not lacking in confidence, which is great. Um, no, look at—I mean, if Wolves are ready to put pile pressure on him, I'm also ready to pile pressure on him. Straight into me fantasy football team, and I'm expecting hatfuls of goals from the lad. So um, don't disappoint Fabio Silva. Um, what else? Other, other signings that caught your eye? Um, we're, we're, sorry, we're running long on time, but uh, there's been some other really eye-catching ones for mid, mid-range teams, not? Um, I mean, the, the, the lad, uh, I think uh, I think Ruben's spoken about him before, the, the, the lad that uh, leads have signed, Spanish lad. Uh, he he, he uh, again, like, again, it'll be interesting to get your point of view, Ruben. Like, I, I kind of was impressed by him for Spain, but a lot of people kind of said he doesn't, he's not got an end product. Is that true? It's, it's tricky. This um, is Rodrigo. Yeah. yeah. Rodrigo Moreno, who's just signed from Valencia for like 30 million euros. So he has had prolific seasons at Valencia, but finishing is not necessarily his best attribute. And I know that kind of worries a lot of Leeds fans when they're trying to replace Bamford, who does various good things, but doesn't score enough goals. But I think in the Premier League, he will still be a lot more useful than Bamford. And like, he, the, I think part of the reason why he's not always been really prolific is because he's played out wide or as more of a 10 with a more natural striker next to him. Like um, in recent years, it's been like Kevin Gamero or Santi Mina. So like players that are more natural finishes and then he kind of links the play in like a 4-4-2. So at playing as a lone striker, I think if they want him to link the play, run him behind, you know, switch to the wing when necessary. 
I think he's got all the tools to play really well for Leeds, but I can understand the the concern about his goal return because I mean last season Valencia were a shambles and he only didn't score that many goals. But I mm. I just I've got a feeling that he's gonna everything's gonna click into place and he will score a good amount of goals for Leeds. Um, but yeah, a lot of people looking at it as we've signed the, the Spanish Patrick Bamford to replace Patrick Bamford, but. Still better than Patrick Bamford, isn't it? It's, 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 it's also interesting that, again, like you talk about managers, like Bielsa has got such an aura about him that as soon as he signs a player, just for the very fact he signed them, you kind of think, oh, he must be good. Or, yeah, or yeah. like, he must be a genius move. It probably, it probably does the players' confidence a world of good as well, thinking, like, oh, if Bielsa wants me, then I must be good. <laughs> what else, Ruben? Anybody else we should be keeping an eye out for in terms of uh, new signings to the Premier League? I am very much looking forward to see what uh, Ebere Eze does in a Palace shirt. Mm. Uh, signed for just under twenty million from QPR. He looks great. Number ten looks su- such a confident player. Looks like the perfect player to play. I, I don't think Zaha's leaving for various reasons. Um, not because he doesn't want to, just because he can't. I think he's the Eze is the ideal player for him to help Zaha take a little bit of the attention off him, link up with him because we've been so focused we're so one-dimensional on Zaha over the past couple of years it's so easy to stop us from playing whereas now with this kind of more of a a creative number 10 who likes to dribble I think very exciting for us especially if we get Batshuayi back on loan to play in front of them you could you could turn into the great entertainers yeah I mean we have an entirely an entirely dreadlocked front three all of whom just love love a trick love a dribble it's going to be great to watch well it's not, is it? But it it could be on paper, in theory. We <laughs> might be fun next season. I'm not getting ahead of myself. Okay, well, this is our Premier League preview show. So, um, obviously, we've been without Premier League for not very long, but it's back this weekend. So, now you've got to put your... I didn't say this, but you've got to put your necks on the line. This is the bit we replay to you in nine to ten months' time and make you look silly. Um, all right, Kay. I want to know who you think is going to be the champions of the Premier League 2021. I want to know who's going to be the top scorer in the Premier League. Okay, You've re- I mean, it's not fair, you just totally dropped this on us. Well, I mean, come on, it's only two things, and I, well, a third is um, Can I chuck a couple of breakout star, breakout star. All right, I want a breakout star as well. All right, so I will, I'm, I'm feeling for time when you've, you're, you're, I know you guys are better on the hoof. There's no point in getting you prepared for this. Let's just go for it. Okay, so first of all, champions. Ruben. Can I chuck a couple of caveats in there? Oh, <laughs> if City sign Kalidou Koulibaly, I think they'll be champions. If they don't, I think Liverpool. So at the moment, because they haven't, Liverpool. I'm going to go Liverpool. Pinder goes Liverpool. Chowdhury. Liverpool. I, I think, I, I mean, I'm not as as convinced uh, about Koulibaly as, uh, as Ruben is. Um, he's, he's, he's not as the, he's not the player he looked he was a year ago or 18 months ago. So it'll be interesting, like, especially at a, at a club like City. And like City are, are so defensively sort of under scrutiny that the first mistake, mistake he makes, uh, he's, he's going to be uh, labelled a flop. So, I mean, I mean, I think for City, obviously, a very obvious thing to say, but if they'd assigned Messer, we would have been a game changer. But seeing as they're not, I think Liverpool, I think there's a lot to be said for stability. Okay, so we've got Liverpool, we've got Liverpool. I'm going to go Man City. Just to spice it up a little bit. No, I think this is their... 
surprised we haven't gone Everton. Time. This is their time. <clears throat> and that big transfer that uh, Ruben alludes to, I, I reckon it goes through. So I reckon then I'll be ready with the prediction, the right prediction for that particular, uh, for the champions of England. Right, okay, next is top scorer in the Premier League, Pinder. I'm going to go Aubameyang. Right. Again, I think he scores a bigger proportion of Arsenal's goals than, yeah. say, other forwards do at bigger clubs. I think Liverpool's goals are a bit more spread out. Um, Aubameyang looks really good in the Community Shield and the FA Cup. Um and Arsenal are building, but subtly they're building a pretty decent team. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and uh, did he not win it this year? No, Vardy won it this year, didn't he? But he was very close, and I think he tied it the year before. So, yeah, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Chowdhury. I'm, I'm going to, again, very, very predictable, but I'm going to go for Harry Kane simply because uh, he's so important to Spurs, and I think uh, that's been underlined by all or nothing. And I think that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think that the signings that uh, <clears throat> Spurs are making and are looking to make, I think it shows that Mourinho is putting all his eggs in one basket and he's he's building the team around right. getting the best out of out of Kane, um, even even Doherty and stuff like that. I think I think that's the prime sort of in, incentive to get the best out of this one world class world class player they've got. With all due respect to amazing players like Son, so yeah. I'm going to go with Fabio Silva um, <laughs> because, you know, that price. No, I'm not going to go with Fabio Silva. I'm going to go with Aubameyang as well. That's That was in my mind. I just think he is he's just so deadly. And I think Arteta and him have a great understanding. And I'm really interested to see what Arsenal do this year because I think the chaos maybe has subsided a little bit. And Arteta, like this is his opportunity, his big opportunity to prove uh, how good of a manager he is. He's been dropped in at the deep end and I actually think he's done incredibly well to start. I think even the way he's handled like Guendouzi and stuff like that just bodes very well. Handled Aubameyang. So I think Aubameyang... And Xhaka. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it helps that there were no, there were no fans in the stadium, I think, um, when you know when, they, when the Premier League restarted because that meant he could bring Xhaka back into the team like a toxicity-free zone. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's done really well. I, no. I just wanted a note on Kane. Cool. Kane is a great shout. He does seem to get injured at least once a season for like three months. And with the fixture congestion, I worry how they're going to cope and manage his fitness, especially with like with no obvious backup to him. So if he stays fit all season, I'd always back Kane to be golden boot. But that's kind of my worry with Kane every year. That's what he does. He just poo-poos your choice, Naz. That's what he does. He just poo-poos all over it. <laughs> okay, I mean... and our last, our last one is breakouts there. This is the most. This is the most kind of nebulous one. It's kind of like what? What? What is a breakout star? But I'm going to let you interpret it whatever way you want. Breakout star, Ruben Pinder. Assuming the likes of Havertz and Ziyech don't really count because they're already established in Europe. Um, maybe Ollie Watkins if he goes to Villa. I think he's a very complete player. Will probably link up very well with Grealish and. <clears throat> score a lot of goals because um, you know I mean he's he's the perfect example of Brentford's um, recruitment system paying dividends and you know he, he scored a lot of goals for them last season so I think if he goes there Ollie Watkins could be a good a very good breakout star I didn't want to say Eze because I've already spoken about him so yeah Watkins well we'll give you Eze as a mention as well fair enough yeah okay uh, Naz um, 
I would like it to be this this player called Ethan Laird at uh, United, who who again is a very young player who's had had a few injury problems, but he's a fullback. Um, he'd be competing with uh, Wan Bissaka if he doesn't go out on loan, and 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 his high hopes from at United, are like a proper attacking fullback, um, who has all the potential in the world to be like an amazing player. So I'd love I'd love it to be him, uh, and also like. I quite like the look of Jones at Liverpool, and I, and I do think if they if they play so many games and they're not gonna, the one advantage of not sort of being able to sign these players is that you have to give young players a chance, and and just as much as his his all round play and his and and the amazing goals he's already scored, it's that he he seems to have the right sort of level of self confidence and ego, you because you need ego to play for a team like Liverpool or United or Arsenal somewhere. Uh, so, so, so I think he, he, I think he'll do well. And physically, for a for a young player, he's he's got he's got stature. So yeah. Okay, I'm I, I'm going to go with um um Fabio Silva. No, I I definitely think Fabio Silva <laughs> is going to be <laughs> of the Duffies. <laughs> but also because you let your kind of heart rule a little bit there. I'm also going to let my heart rule and say I think Aaron Connolly is going to be really good for for Brighton this year. I actually think even in the last nine months, he's actually stepped up a lot. And whilst Ireland were fucking abysmal in both their games in the Nations League, he was a huge bright spot. Like every time he gets the ball, he wants to beat the full back and he's more than capable of it. He's got some tricks. He's got good confidence, still only a young guy, 19. So I think Connolly is an interesting one because he's going to get lots of time with Brighton as well this season. What about the, what about the, the lad Gordon? Yeah, Anthony Gordon is a. I just wonder will he get as much game time now because it's a very congested midfield. I mean, he's a wide player, so he has an opportunity. And then, like, Iwobi's going to be a big thing for Everton. Like, is he actually going to fit in? If he fits in and, and pulls up his socks, Gordon will get less game time. But, um. Everton never should have signed Iwobi. No, it was a terrible ter- panic. He was sign. such a panic because yeah. you couldn't get Zaha. And now, look at you, stuck with Iwobi. I know, it's. it's and, like. You've got Will for half the price this summer. He's 24. Like you imagine, somebody would want to take him on. It's a shame because he looks to be just missing something that makes him a good football, like a top class footballer. But anyway, look at that. That's that's our predictions, lads. We're actually way over time. I know we wanted to talk about Mourinho and uh, all or nothing, Danny Rose. I actually think if you don't mind, we're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time. Um, we'll get back to it, Nas. Think thing thing is, Paddy. I've I've been sat here, and you're not Gosh. showing me any respect. You you brought you brought a young lad in, who's who's not even who's not even left footed. <laughs> not on. Okay, fair enough. There, there you go. That's it. That's we'll just have. I'm not even sure what that's referenced. Nah, Nas. I haven't seen the show, but <laughs> don't worry, I got it. It was very good analogy. And, and our listeners also appreciated that, and that's all that matters, really. Uh, and viewers, Jesus, did I forget the viewers? Yes. Fucking hell. We've been filming this on a new, um, I was going to say app, <laughs> was no, program, program, like a new program. So this may see the light of day. You'll get to see me, Nas and Ruben, or maybe better for you and for everybody else. It's just a test run and you're better off just listening to us as you always do on podcasts. I'm, 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 all, I'm, also, I'm also a big fan of the Irish making film into a two syllables. Film. Film, yeah. They Film. do that in the northeast of England as well. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> 
Okay, right, lads, we, we should leave it there. And uh, thank you very much to the two boys. Thanks to Nas. Thanks to Ruben. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, thanks to John, who's been running our test as well today. So if it sees the light of day, it's John Breslin that you need to talk to about that. Um, and thanks to you for listening, as I mentioned. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get this show into your feed. Never miss a show. We'll talk again soon. We'll be back again after the weekend. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.